And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, this week we have a game that has some historical significance for the 49ers and for the NFL. This is a rematch of a two-time Super Bowl matchup. 49ers traveling to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. Thankfully for Chris Collinsworth, it's not on Sunday Night Football, but remember that the 49ers really bookended Chris Collinsworth's career. Wide receiver, now partners with Al Michaels on TV. Well, he was drafted by the Bengals in 1981. That was a season that ended in a Super Bowl loss to the 49ers, and then he retired after the 1988 season, and that was a season that ended with a Super Bowl loss to the 49ers. So the stakes aren't quite as high on Sunday, but it's still an interesting game, and it sh- should still be a game that has some ramifications because both the 49ers and the Bengals are currently the number seven seeds in their respective conferences. So, Matt, uh, this is one that we don't see every year, obviously, because Cincinnati's an AFC, and the 49ers uh, don't travel to Paul Brown Stadium all too often, but they were there in 2019. They're going to be there again on Sunday, and this is one they'd really like to win after dropping to 6-6 six and six at Seattle last week. Yeah, my memory of uh, 49ers-Bengals memory lane is that big hit that Ronnie Lott put on Icky Woods at the uh, at the start of that Super Bowl, and uh, you know Icky Woods was a rookie back then, coming off a huge uh, rookie season, he was the talk of the NFL. Got off to a really nice start in that game. <laughs> Ronnie Lott put a Ronnie Lott lick, a woo lick on him, and um, he was uh, uh, very, uh, let's say, muted. Icky Woods was for the rest of the game. And uh, here, here's a, a segue: the the Bengals have another hot rookie in Jamar Chase. Leads all rookie receivers. I think he's fifth in the NFL. He's, uh, he's just behind Debo Samuel in terms of receiving yards, and uh, he's been their go-to guy. They go through Jamar Chase like uh, the 49ers do uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, so to me, that's, Dennis, that's one of the big matchups, uh, how the 49ers cornerbacks, uh, a beat-up group, uh, are going to match up against those Bengals wide receivers because it's not just Jamar Chase. They also have T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, um, that's a, uh, that's a good trio and, uh, that's, uh, that's where the 49ers are a little bit rickety right now. Yeah. And I was wondering, Matt, um, that Ronnie Lott hit, would it be a penalty in today's NFL? I think he got sh- all shoulder, right? Wasn't that a shoulder to shoulder hit? It was, but it was to the head, wasn't it? It was one of those that starts out shoulder and then ends up with, with the helmets colliding. All I know is that Woods... As you know, not a small man went backwards eight yards uh, after that hit. Yeah, and and I, I can remember coming into the league, and and Ronnie Lott used to wear uh, defensive lineman shoulder pads. I mean, they were huge, 
And uh, you, you just don't see that anymore. And, and, and I was lucky enough to see Ronnie hit a lot of people in football games and, and as you say, you know, mute them. So, you know, but, but it's, a different, it's a different time now. And, you know, I think some of those hits that Ronnie laid on people, you know, he, he might have been even ejected from football games, but he was a thumper and he was a, he was a different guy. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame. But what a what a great guy to uh, to play with and and be one of one of our team leaders. So I got to see a lot of really good hits. And we're talking about this receiving crew, but you know it, it all kind of starts with the quarterback. I mean, this is this is a young guy. I mean, he, after his rookie season, he's he's not playing like he did his rookie season, Joe Bar- Burrows, but he is a he's a talent. I mean, he's an up and coming riser in this in, in this NFL. He's got a strong arm. He loves to throw the ball downfield. He's got the weapons that you talked about. Uh, and then, you know, you, you look at any tape on the 49ers and, and you would think that you can't really throw long at them. Uh, you know, the short passes are where you can get all your money. But, you know, you, you got to see this team when you watch this team on film, the 49ers secondary, that you're going to try to expose them. You know, it, who I don't know who's going to be corner. I don't know if Emmanuel Mosley's back, but uh, you're going to be targeted a little bit. You know, if not the long ball, but just mistakes in coverage and and penalties. So that is going to be the matchup. You know, that that trio against a good quarterback. And, you know, it, can Nick Bosa get to him? Can Eric, Eric Armstead get to him? Last week, the Chargers got to him, I think, four or five times. But still, you know, he was able to, to, to throw the ball down the field. He threw two interceptions, but he's a good quarterback. Uh, and he's learning in this league and he's got a real strong arm. So, yeah, that's going to be. Number one matchup. Yeah, Cincinnati's given up 36 sacks this season, which is fourth most in the NFL. That offensive line is suspect, especially on the right side. They've dealt with some injuries at center and at right tackle. And, you know, as Dennis just said, Joe Burrow's done a lot of nice things, but he's still a second-year guy who's prone to make mistakes. So there have been the negative plays with those sacks and also with interceptions. He's got a 3.7% interception rate. And to give people some perspective – uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's interception rate entering this season with the 49ers, the one that you know we all talked about it had to go down, was 2.7%. So Joe Burrow is throwing a lot of picks, 14 interceptions on the season, including those two last week. Uh, he has the firepower to go downfield with uh, both his arm and those receivers. So I, I look at this as a boomer bust offense, and they haven't yet been able to remove all all the busts. And the 49ers, if they're going to be competitive in this game, if they want to win this game, well, it all starts with their offense, right? It starts with hogging the ball, imprinting their style of football. But if we want to talk about defensive keys first, because this is an exciting matchup when you look at Burrow and you look at those receivers, well, um, it's about making Joe Burrow and company bust more often than than they boom, right? So the 49ers need to take on that offensive line, which hasn't been great for Cincinnati, and they need to be opportunistic on the heels of their pass rush on the defensive side of the football. And based on everything that we know about this Bengals team so far, that's possible if you play a good defensive effort and if you're fresh defensively. So Complimentary football, it, it always comes down to that, doesn't it, Matt? If the 49ers defense can be fresh, they can rush the passer, and they can hop on some chances, uh, I, I think they can deliver the kind of effort that really we saw last week against Seattle, maybe minus the penalties though, right? You have to eliminate the penalties. But the effort we saw on Sunday was good enough for the 49ers to win if you took away some of those roughing the passer calls. Oh, for sure. And and, and at one point, you know, there was a stretch from, uh, say, midway through the first, 
first quarter through the end of the second, where the where the offense was was humming and, and looking exactly like you'd want it to. Um, Elijah Mitchell three, Elijah Mitchell for four. No uh, back breaking runs, no gouging runs, but that's uh, you know that's how they've won the the previous three games by uh, kind of steadily going down the field owning the clock, etc. They built up, I forget what it was, 23 to 10, um, a, a big lead. And it looked for all the world as if they were going to do to the, the Seahawks what they did to the Vikings, Jaguars, and Rams. And then, you know, like you said, those two big defensive penalties, then the the, the flubbed uh, uh, kickoff to begin the third quarter, then the safety. And all of a sudden, they can't do what they do uh, all the time. They can't run the ball like that. So, um, you know, th- this team was very close to replicating everything, and it kind of just shows you, as you just noted, how complementary everything is. Special teams has to be there. The defense has to be there, of course. Uh, and then, you know, we talked about cornerback. The other big issue is is running back. I mean, is Elijah Mitchell going to uh, play in this game? And, you know, this is a team that when Elijah Mitchell's not there, they don't really know what to do as far as their running game. They don't, there isn't a go-to guy after him. Um, so I, I think that they're hopeful, sort of reading the tea leaves, and concussions are extremely murky, and you don't know when symptoms are going to get worse. But it, it sounded as if uh, Mitchell came in on Monday with a headache. Um, and I don't want to minimize that, but it, it, it wasn't anything beyond that as far as um, the, the repercussions from the, the hit that he took on Sunday. So I think that they're hopeful that he will be back uh, during this week and that they can lean on him. Are they going to be able to lean on him for 25 touches? I, I don't know. Uh, but after that, it's Jeff Wilson who's got uh, a bit of a, a question mark about his knee, Dennis, and Jermichael Hasty, who really hasn't had a big role this season yet. Uh, and then they just uh, added a guy to the uh, practice squad today, Brian Hill, uh, who likely will get brought up on, on Saturday for this game. But uh, that, that could be a challenge. I mean, if there's no Elijah Mitchell, they need to win without Raheem Mostert and Elijah Mitchell, which is something that they really haven't been able to do this, this season. The run games come alive. Uh, because you have Debo in in the backfield, and, and he was missed last week against Seattle, and the run game wasn't the same. Elijah Mitchell, he ran well. Uh, this poor kid is just beat up, though. I mean, his rookie season, he's going to look back and just say he just it was just a brutal season. It seems like each and every week there's something that's nagging him. But you know, he when you carry the ball, you know, 30, 40 times a football game, and you're a running back, you're going to get beat up. So. I think you got to be cautious with this kid. I mean, he's 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 obviously a very good uh, running back in the NFL, but you can't wear him out. I mean, he seems like every week there's something going on with him. Now you're talking about a concussion. So the poor kid's got a, you know, he's got the ribs. He's got a pin in his finger. So his rookie year has been a brutal one. But without Debo, I don't know what the status of Debo is, but if he's not, you know, on this offense – Running the ball, I mean, your receiver is is probably one of your your at least your second best running back on the football squad, uh, and that's you know and that's a little scary. And it was missed last week. George Kittle had an explosive explosive game. Now we can see what he can do when he's healthy in the passing game. He's helped out a lot in the running game. But yeah, this running game, I mean, you're down to, like like the last couple seasons. You're just grabbing guys off a practice squad. Try hope hopefully they're hoping that they can come in and do some. I think Jeff Wilson Jr. 
is a guy that knows his offense. He knows how to get to the edges. I think once he gets into the groove, he's going to help out. But, um, you know, it's not seen yet. But, yeah, this running game, and we know what we, – we talk about it every week. I mean, the three games that they won, it was all about that running game. Running 40 times, That's that that was what it was about. And then having a good balance with the passing game and having complementary def, defense. So, um, you know, we know what the recipe is if, if the 49ers can get back to it. But the run game is going to be important to establish early in this game, especially on the road. Uh, to quiet down this crowd a little bit. But if you don't have Debo, you know, I don't know how you execute a good running game, If especially if Elijah Mitchell's not in there. And even if he is in there, we saw last week, it's just hard for this team to get a decent running game going without those two players. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I think you nailed it, Dennis. Put simply, the 49ers opened up as, I think, one-and-a-half-point underdogs. Right now, they're one-point favorites. So, game's essentially a toss-up as far as the betting odds are concerned. And in my opinion, the availability of Debo Samuel is what will determine this football game. Because uh, he only has two catches in his past two games playing. He hasn't been a big factor in the past game, but... I mean, we've watched him and he he hits these holes. He runs like a professional. He runs like running back is his natural position. And and it might be. I mean, he's been a running back his whole life. He obviously played uh, receiver in college, but he's always been a Swiss Army knife type of weapon. He housed several kickoffs at South Carolina. So, I mean, the guy obviously knows how to run. He knows how to feel for the right hole and he knows how to hit the right hole. So um, you need those types of talents to make Kyle Shanahan's run game work. That outside zone requires a deft feel for the proceedings, and Debo Samuel has certainly showcased it. And even if Elijah Mitchell is available, I think Dennis's point is a great one, uh, you have to take some of the load off of him. And that's what Debo Samuel did ever since that Rams game when the 49ers were primarily using him in the backfield. So it opens up everything for the 49ers offense when they have multiple threats in that backfield and multiple threats who have a very good feel of where to pound the football. And Debo Samuel definitely does that. So it's a game changer for the 49ers offense. I think if they don't have him and they only have a beaten up Elijah Mitchell or no Elijah Mitchell, uh, they're playing this game uphill. And they're underdogs. Not to say they can't win under those circumstances. The Bengals team is is okay. It's good, maybe. But it's it, it's a middling team. It, they're not bad like a, a bad team that the 49ers lost to last week in the Seahawks. Uh, but they're beatable, even if the 49ers don't have those guys in the backfield. But it will be an uphill battle if the 49ers don't have Mitchell and Samuel. But if they have at least Samuel, I think he's the main hinge point. 
and Shanahan's hoping he's going to be back at practice on Thursday. Well, in that case, I think the 49ers can much more easily imprint their brand of football. And Matt, for the 49ers, when it comes to imprinting their brand of football is if they can't do that, then a lot of weaknesses on this team are exposed. Right tackle being the biggest one. We talked about this a little bit in the postgame podcast, but I straight up asked Kyle Shanahan, could Jimmy Garoppolo have done anything differently on, on the safety, third and long and end zone? And Shanahan said no. The pass protection just broke down way too quickly. And by that, he means Tom Compton got steamrolled. The 49ers don't have to deal with that if you are able to run. And Tom Compton can do what he does best, and that's run block. So that's just a microcosm of why Debo Samuel is so important. If the 49ers can establish the game on their terms with guys like him and Elijah Mitchell, then you avoid having to play players like Tom Compton not on their terms, and that's when it could get ugly. So the 49ers want this to be pretty and not ugly, and for that, I think Debo Samuel is probably necessary. Yeah, and I wonder whether Jeff Wilson, this will be his sort of coming out game for the 2021 season because, you know, he runs the ball very hard. It would would sort of complement that style, Wilson plus Debo would be great. He had what Shanahan called a flare-up in the knee. And I was watching him during the game through my binoculars, and he was on the sidelines sort of doing sprints. He was doing cutting. He was talking to trainers. When the 49ers are on offense, the offensive players who aren't in the game stand right at the sideline. They're ready to go in. They stand next to their position coach. He was off sort of midway between the, the defense on the bench and the offensive players. So he was not ready to come in. So it's a question mark. And Shanahan has said that the, the flare-ups usually calm down in a couple of and that's why he was somewhat confident that uh, Wilson would practice uh, this week. And we should say that he was uh, limited on on Wednesday. So that was a good sign. But if he's okay for this game, that would be a big deal for this team. And, and Dennis is absolutely right about Elijah Mitchell. I mean, he, we're starting to watch him like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in the, in the Revenant, where, you know, this guy is is beat up uh but but continuing to move forth he's got he's on his fifth injury dennis remember he had the shoulder in philadelphia then he had a rib issue uh and then he broke the finger and then he suffered a concussion on on what was probably a dirty hit in the in the seattle game and it turns out he also suffered a knee injury in that game um uh, shanahan uh describes it as knee irritation but that's another thing to add to an already really big injury list for a rookie who's not all that huge. Um, and uh, you're, I, I think you're absolutely right. He's going to remember this rookie season. And I hope next year, you know, the, the 49ers, um, you know, bulk up that group enough that they're not having to rely on him for 30 touches a game because we're in a 17-game season now. So it's, it's magnified. Um, and you have to think about the longevity of these guys' careers. Uh, you know, it, 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 Elijah Mitchell's a six-round pick. Uh, you know, they make fine money, but uh, certainly not great money. And these guys are playing for that second contract. You want the guy to be able to get to that second contract. And right now, I mean, I, I don't want to be over dramatic, but um, he, he's taken a lot of abuse as a rookie. <laughs> Yeah, you're telling me. I don't know what his injury history was in college, but it, it can't be as much in one season. I mean, you just named it off. I mean, that's that's a lot to a body. And yeah, running backs take a lot of abuse, and but that that's a lot. And and you know, five injuries uh, in this short season already. 
And like you said, it's 17 games. So, you know, the, talk about a guy that's going to be looking forward to the offseason. It's going to be Eliza Mitchell. But, you know, he's really – he stood up. Like you said, he's moving forward. And he, he seems to always be there. He's, he's like the, 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 the life of this offense as far as a running game goes. And he helps out the he helps out Jimmy Garoppolo so much, but there's only so much you can you can put on the shoulders of this kid, or you're just gonna wear him out, and then you won't have him, you know, seasons to come. You know, looking forward, looking looking at the bigger picture, he's gonna be beat up. He's gonna be one of those guys, like a lot of these 49er uh, running backs are. You know, a lot of these running backs are they just stay on the sidelines or stay in the training room because they stay beat up. You know, Raheem Moster, I mean, he was he was a great gunner. In the NFL, and he became a superstar running back, and then he couldn't stay on the football field. So I don't know if it's something about the position or if it's the guys on the defense are bigger and stronger and faster, but these running backs, it's tough for them to stay healthy. And, you know, when we talk about this 49ers offense, I mean, there's so many weapons, and and I'm still waiting for Brandon Ayuk. I mean, he, he kind of fell off a little bit against the Seahawks, but with a couple of drop passes, but you know, there's a talent right there that uh, I don't think Kyle Shanahan Shanahan has really tapped into uh, is, is Brandon Ayuk. I mean, he is uh, his rookie season, fantastic rookie season. He was the man, his rookie season, and he, he got a slow start. He's starting getting some momentum. Like I said, last week he fell off a little bit. He went back to his old self, dropping some passes, but you want to get that offense going. You got to start targeting him a little bit. And give him an opportunity uh, to be a star uh, in the passing game. And like I said, uh, 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 George Kittle is, you know what he's got. I mean, he he's a brawler. And he's going to catch the ball in traffic. He's going to take the hits. Uh, he's going to get you that, those yak yards. So, you know, there's an opportunity, you know, to get after this um, Cincinnati defense. I mean, they got some pass rushers. You know, they got a guy rushing yeah, the end. Trey Hendrickson used to be on the Saints. Yeah, he's got... He's got 11 sacks, I think. Yeah, he's having a great year. Yeah, so you know, but you know, he's he's going to be he's going to be rushing over uh, Trent Williams. So maybe not the pressure, but still, they got some good guys up front. They got a good secondary too. So somehow you got to you you got to have some big splash plays. But it's all going to start with your run game, that play action, set up that play action. So you know, there you know, there's there's a chance. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the special teams. I don't know what what. Uh, Hightower, the uh, special teams coordinator, is saying, but, you know, he's got to up his game. He's got to get these guys ready um, because, uh, you know, whatever it was, a 73-yard fake punt, that's that's on tape, and all teams are looking at that, waiting for that formation again. So you got to do better on special teams, especially on the road. You just can't make the mistakes. And it, it, I, th- I think both these Seattle games were games that the, the 49ers could have won, but it was mistakes – on the special teams that maybe costed them the, the football game. Yeah, absolutely. So just the mistakes. I mean, play play efficient football. I mean, that's what a good team is, right? A good team, you play clean. You know, you don't have costly penalties. You have a good special teams and you play great defense. And that's what the – I mean, we've seen it for three weeks. And, you know, all of a sudden now we're, you know, we're back kind of thinking, you know, who's going to show up in Cincinnati? I just hope the – the efficient 1400 team shows up in, in, in Cincinnati. Well, it's, you know, it's funny to talk about the special teams. I'm working on a deep dive on that unit right now. And it's a little flummoxing, to be honest, because for the majority of games during this 2021 season, they've actually had a plus impact when you look at the analytics and the, the expected points that they're adding. But in the two games against Seattle, 
the 49ers have been so preposterously bad that their entire season rating drops down toward near the league bottom. They, they've they lost two touchdowns worth of points against Seattle in week four and like 11 po- expected points against the Seahawks in week 13, which we just saw. So both of those games, the 49ers have lost multiple possessions worth of points and they lost both of them by seven. So Dennis is right. Uh, you could absolutely plausibly make the argument that special teams cost the 49ers both of those games. So you're looking at a 6-6 six and six team that with just mediocre special teams play, not terrible special teams play against the Seahawks, would be 8-4 and four right now. So that's, uh, I think, simultaneously encouraging if you're the 49ers because your offense and your defense have been good enough with mediocre special teams to, to be a winning team that would be right in the hunt for you know the division crown even at, at 8 and 4 you you'd still only be two games behind the cardinals and and obviously uh we know how quickly things can turn in a wild season like this but it's also discouraging at the same time because you're already so far down the path and you've blown the games that you, you probably should have won due to special teams that you're no longer going to get that NFC West title. So now you're fighting for the wild card. But alas, the 49ers have five games to go. Uh, you know, it's a new season. They're, they're six and six. You just have to look at it that way. And the truth of the matter is, if the special teams unit just holds serve, just gets a little bit better, it's been clearly demonstrated at this point that this offense is A, explosive. It's I'm not saying it's flawless, but it's A, potentially explosive, and B, the defense is serviceable and at its best, opportunistic. And you, you combine those ingredients with decent special teams, the 49ers have just as good of a shot as anybody to make the playoffs and then make some noise in the playoffs. That's just the truth of the league this year. You know, people always think the grass is greener on the other side. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're watching the rest of the league this year, the grass really isn't greener on the other side. Aside from a couple of the very top-end teams, I know the Patriots are winning a ton and the Cardinals keep on winning in the NFC. Um, aside from that, that there has been a lot of adversity and a lot of unpredictability for every single team in this league. And that's why the 49ers should absolutely have their heads on straight right now because there's still an opportunity for them even at 6-6. Six and six. Well, let's talk about special teams because um, you know, the 49ers basically have four stalwarts on those units. Um, you know, Guys who play just about every unit uh, log 20 or or so special team snaps a game. And, and they're Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, uh, Trent Sherfield, Dante Johnson, and Trent Cannon. And, uh, you know, in the Seahawks game, uh, three of those guys basically weren't uh, weren't playing a lot of special teams. I mean, Flanagan Fowles was a, a starter on defense, so his special team snaps dropped. Trent Sherfield was a starter on offense. Uh, they dropped. Trenton Cannon was knocked out on the on the first play of the game. He didn't play. Uh, so uh, you know, and we all saw what happened with Travis Benjamin when he came in and replaced uh, Trenton Cannon. Uh, those guys, if if Debo Samuel's back, uh, all those guys will be back in those roles. Now Dante Johnson, <laughs> the one guy who did play a lot of special teams, uh, might end up starting this game at cornerback, so his uh, his role would be. Diminish. So my point is that it, it, the, the 49ers should have their core group. There should be no excuses for um, the, the the misfires that they've had the last couple of weeks. And and frankly, you know, I just watched the the Chargers Bengals game, and, and the Bengals uh, special teams wasn't all that good either. They missed an extra point. They didn't look very good on their 
kickoff returns. You know, Dennis, one area I think that the, uh, that's just been lacking, and, and not just during the uh, Richard Hightower uh, era, uh, and Hightower came in in 2017, along with Shanahan, but before that, these guys just don't, the 49ers don't have any big explosive returns anymore. Um, I think uh, if, if they have the long, don't have the longest drought, then it's the second longest drought of a punt return without a touchdown. Uh, and that goes all the way back to 2011. Ted, Ted Ginn Jr. was the last guy to have one. So we're talking a decade now where they haven't had one, but they just, uh, I don't know, they, they, they don't seem to have that aspect of their game. They can't rely on explosive returns during a game. And, you know, I don't know what that, that translates to in terms of wins and losses over time, but, boy, you, you'd think that they would have had uh, at least a couple over the last couple of years if they had that sort of uh, returnability. And I've always wondered about that. I mean, I, I don't know if that's, if that's you know, a mentality or if, if that's just the way you, you run your special teams that you just, hey, secure the catch, get what you can, and, you know, let the offense come on the field. It just seems like it's been so long since a punt went off and you thought, oh, this could be it. It's always kind of a it's a fair catch or if it's it's a run to the end zone or maybe it's a little bit of burst. But yeah, the 49ers, you just haven't seen any explosive, exciting plays on the special teams. And, and this year, especially, you've seen some real bad plays on the special teams. And, you know, I just wonder, is that something you practice? Do you do you practice the blocking scheme to open up run lane? I, I'm sure you do, because that's what special teams is about. Punt, punt, return is opening up you know, run lanes for your receiver. We just haven't seen it. And we've seen multiple people uh, returning kicks. So different talent levels, different speeds. I just remember John Taylor, you know, running punts back. And every time JT caught the ball, you thought it was going to be a touchdown. He was so explosive and so exciting. And even, you know, when I was when I was with the Niners, it was, you know, Dexter Carter. I mean, he was, a you know, a quick, shifty guy. And he would get some explosive plays. So, what, what an advantage, especially on the road, if you can, on your special teams, kick off or punt return, the ability to flip the field and give your offense a short field to work with. It just seems like the 49ers are always starting on the 25-yard line when the offense comes out, kick off or, or whatever it is. So what a, what a great advantage that would be. But then again, I don't know. I didn't do special teams, so I don't know how that works. I mean, if, if, if the game plan is just to kind of catch the ball and, re, and secure it, and let the offense uh, work the field. But it would seem like you would want to try to get something on your special teams, explosive, uh, where you can try to flip the field and get some good field uh, position uh, for your offense to work with a short field to get some points on the board. But maybe Kyle Shanahan, you know, wants the ball. He just wants the ball so we can kind of milk the clock. So I don't know. It, it, and you're right. It just seems like there's never anything explosive on special teams. We get excited which is important when Robbie Goal is going to kick a field goal. We get excited about that because there's points on the board. But other than that, there's not much excitement on the special teams. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. 
package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So the 49ers definitely want more. They they went out and they put Brandon Ayuk, who's one of their more valuable draft picks, on punt return. And John Lynch himself at the start of the season said, we're doing this because we take this position seriously. We need more efficiency there. They Efficiency-wise, they ranked number 31 of 32 teams in punt return in 2020. It's gotten a little bit better. They're up to number 21 with Ayuk doing it, but he still hasn't blown anybody's socks off, and that's obviously still below average. And In fact, if you look at both kick and punt returns, the 49ers have been above average in, in those categories only once during the five seasons under Shanahan and, and Richard Hightower, who's the special teams coordinator. And that was 2018. In every other season, they've been below average, and it's been alarmingly below average the last couple of years. Kick returns, for example, they're ranked number seven in 2018. But in 2019, 2020, and 2021, the 49ers ranked number 29, number 32, and number 32. And as you know, number 32 is dead last. So they're dead last in kick return efficiency this season they were dead last in 2020 and 2018 the year where they ranked well that was when Richie James took one back against Seattle and and they had some explosiveness from him but he, he was another guy that that seemed to just kind of get beaten up time and time again special teams you know you talk about Elijah Mitchell getting beaten up as a running back well special teams are not easy on the body you look at a frame like like Richie James's frame it, it was a it was a little light right and um, you know, ended up being kind of a sacrificial lamb out there. Uh, they would throw him out on all those kick returns, but you could tell over the course of his career, um, it, it, it took a toll on him, and he's on injured reserve now for this 2021 season. So um, the 49ers have not gleaned efficiency from that portion of the game for the majority of the current regime, and I think it's, it's showing, uh, right? Because in 2019, even though they're inefficient on special teams, they had a very efficient offense and an overpowering defense. Well, this season, the defense is not overpowering. It's just kind of holding serve at best. The offense, obviously, at its best can be very good, but there are injury issues there. You don't have Debo Samuel against Seattle. Well, you look at the entire equation to win, your special teams better be good, you know, if you're going to win under those parameters, and and they weren't. So uh, over the next five games, I, I don't expect the 49ers to be great at, at, at anything, and they don't need to be great at anything. But in this NFL, if they can be good in all three phases of the game, and that includes special teams, they have a chance to make a run. They, they just can't have one phase of the game completely shooting their tires out, right? And that's what happened against Seattle. It was special teams shooting their tires out with offense, you know, uh, slashing their tires. You know, <laughs> offense wasn't helping the, 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 the cause as well. So they, they need to stop shooting themselves in the foot moving forward. Yeah, George Kittle put it very bluntly after that game. He said, you got to win two out of three phases in order to win in the NFL and, and we lost on offense and we lost on special teams. So that's that's gotta turn around. I I thought that it would turn around because the Minnesota game was so bad. Uh, but uh but it didn't. So uh looking for another bounce back and I think like I said that they've got an opportunity to do so. I should point out that th- this was true last week. I don't know if anything happened in week thirteen to change this, but there were no punt returns for touchdowns. Uh, heading into last weekend's games. Um, and I just don't know, uh, like, like Dennis says, uh, I just don't know the nuances of special teams enough to figure out why, you know, those types of explosive re- returns are, are so, so few and far between now. Is it that punters have gotten so good, so specialized, um, you know, uh, coverage units have gotten uh, so good at, at, at covering or, 
you know, whether teams are just uh, prioritizing hanging on to the ball versus explosive runs. I'm not sure, but overall, that that's down. Ayuk um, is actually, you know, in the in the upper echelon of uh, you know full time punt returners um, to the point where if he did have a couple of you know breakaways, if he did have a touchdown, for example, he would be up there in terms of uh, you know yards per uh, return this season. And uh, you know if if they happen soon, because nobody's been you know prolific in that regard this year, he, he would have a shot at the Pro Bowl in that regard. I mean, th- that's just how um, how just average, how milk toast that uh, that position has become league wide. Uh, you just don't have any really prolific guy. You know the the Billy White Shoes Johnsons of the 1980s. I remember growing up in Washington. Mike Nelms was a big punt returner. I know the, the 49ers have had a, a few prolific ones, including John Taylor. It just doesn't seem to be um, a, uh, a, a a big role anymore. Uh, I, and I'm not sure how to explain it. And I wonder, what what's the skill? Kickoff return, punt return. I mean, is it vision uh, or is it, I don't know, what, what is it? What makes a good punt returner or a good kickoff returner, reading the you know reading the blocks. I mean, because you seems like you know before you a ball is kicked, you're already it's already determined which way the ball was going to be returned. If I remember correctly, I mean, I, I just I, I wonder what is the skill set. I mean, seeing the holes open, guessing, or just running like crazy. Because remember, you know, remember Dion. Dion used to return punts every once in a while, and he was just so dang fast. You know, sometimes he would outrun his blockers, but he could always, you know, kind of flip the field because he was so dang fast once he touched the ball. So is it speed? You know, is it vision or is it just, you know, is it just luck? I mean, I'm trying to figure out what the skill set is, because like you said, Matt, I mean, you just don't see it anymore. You know, coverages can't be that dang good. I mean, you know, the people aren't running. Teams aren't running down the rush lanes and cover the entire football field. There's got to be some advantage that you can get as a punt returner to get a good return. I will say that the punters, I think, have demonstrably gotten better. I mean, these guys are kicking the ball further than they ever have, but directionally, they're really good now. They can really drop it into a bucket, and if you can match the 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 punt with the coverage, then it's going to minimize the chances of a bigger return. You know, on top of Dennis's list of attributes for a returner, you have to have courage. I mean, that is that's the most dangerous play in football. The kick return is. And, you know, I, I don't think that the punt return is necessarily easy as well. I mean, that's in, in the kick return, you're, you're picking up a full head of steam and you're running straight against a bunch of men who have also picked up a full head of steam. So those are going to be the biggest collisions on the field, which I think is correlated with all the injuries that Richie James suffered in his short time as the 49ers kick return. That started in 2018. Punt return, you don't get that full head of steam, but you still have guys coming in, in hot at you. So you better be ready to take a hit. You better not be afraid of it. And you have to be wired a little bit differently to be on any of those special teams units. And as the returner, you're the guy who has the ball, so you better not fumble. And the 49ers obviously fumbled. I mean, those are high-speed plays. So when Travis Benjamin is carrying the football on his inside arm away from the boundary and Nick Ballor, uh Seattle special teams ace, punches it out, He's punching it out with a lot more force, a lot more velocity than he would on a standard play at you know near the line of scrimmage because 
he's already had a full 40, 50 yards to pick up steam, and Travis Benjamin has picked up steam since he fielded the kick at the goal line, right? So it's everything is harder because you're moving at faster speeds, and everything requires a little bit more courage on special teams. So it's not as simple as, oh, he shouldn't have fumbled that kick. Uh, because we need to realize that you know the, the, these are minor car accidents happening on the field when when, when guys do hit each other on special teams. So the, the, these are not errors that are that easily correctable. And perhaps the fact that Trenton Cannon, you know, was hurt obviously on special teams, scary injury. It's it's no coincidence it happened on special teams. Perhaps the fact that he was hurt and the 49ers had to go to their second stringer Matt on kick return, Travis Benjamin, even though he does have nine years of experience. That obviously is related to the fact that he he committed such a terrible turnover for the 49ers at that stage of the game. Yeah, and we should note that Dante Pettis also got crushed on a, a kickoff, I think, in Seattle and fumbled. And that was kind of the last uh, hurrah for Dante Pettis. He was he was cut shortly after that. So, uh, yeah, you have to have guts. You have to be tough. You have to have short area quickness. You have to have long speed. I mean, it's a very specialized thing. And you know, usually guys who, who have all that are you know, are so valuable, like Dennis noted with Deion Sanders, you, you, you have them playing cornerback or you have them playing wide receiver, and you're, you're probably loathe to have them back there as a return man too. And um, you're right about the, the specialty of, of punting. I mean, it's gotten so technical. And that's why the 49ers uh, liked uh, Mitch Wisnowski. Uh, why they, they spent such a, a high draft pick on him. I mean, it wasn't that Wisnowski's got a huge leg and he's booming 65 yarders all the time. It's that he's got a whole arsenal of types of punts that he has, and he's really good at the directional stuff. Uh, and he's really good at pinning teams inside their own 20. Um, and then, you know, I, I think that that's come into play a bit as far as, as the kickoffs. I mean, usually teams don't have their punter handling kickoffs. It's not anything that uh, Wisnowski did at Utah. Um, like I said, he doesn't have a particularly big leg, and now we're seeing sort of the ramifications of that. His his kickoffs don't always go sailing out of the end zone or deep into the end zone. They're being returned, and they're being returned well a lot of the time uh, to the point where Robbie Gold has had to be brought in for, for some of these kickoffs, and he's not at age 39, just tur- turned 39 on what, Monday, um, at age 39, he's not booming them deep out of the end zone either. So, um, you know, the 40, 49ers still should be able to stop these these returns that uh, like the Vikings had. They haven't been doing that. So um, the, the errors are up and down on special teams. And uh, you, you guys are absolutely right. That needs to that needs to stop um, uh, with with the Bengals game. And they have had some really good special teams games too. I mean, the the Rams tried a fake uh, against them and and the 49ers snuffed it out. And that was one of the momentum changing plays of that game. They're capable of it. It's uh, it's the consistency that has to be there. Yeah. And special teams are special teams for a reason. And you, you really have to have special teams when you go on the road, because, you know, if you give up a big punt return or a, or a fake field goal or a fake punt, like against Seattle, and we saw against Seattle, the crowd is in it. Then you believe, you know, there's a chance to be in a football game. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Hightower is, is, is Coach Hightower is figuring out what he has to do. You know, he's he's been stressed the whole the whole season because the special teams have been up and down. Uh, and, you know, we, we want to talk about, you know, 
the keys to the game. I mean, it's going to be him and his special teams, kind of how they deliver uh, on the road against Cincinnati. So, you know, another part of the game and, you know, in offense and defense, I think defense against Seattle, I think they played well. I just think, you know, you give up those big penalties, you know, during, you know, crucial times that roughing the passer during down one series, keeping, keeping an offense on the football field. And then of course the PIs, um, eliminate some mistakes like that and you know you win football games and it just it just goes back to basic you know you you can't you got to play clean football you got to have you know eliminate mistakes you can't let teams stay on the football field and I'll just circle back I mean this this quarterback I mean he's a good core I know he's a young guy second year guy but I, I I watched that game you know that that San Diego game and you know they tried to come back and they were throwing the ball down the field and he was he was throwing some some darts and, you know, he's he's got some good weapons. So it's going to be the defense is going to be challenged. And like I said, you watch the you watch the, 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 the tape on the 49ers and you you have to try to expose the linebackers. If um, Fred Warner's not back with his hamstring and you got to be careful of that, because if he if he pops that again, you can forget about it for the rest of the season. And then the secondary and who's going to be that other starting quarterback or cornerback. So, you know, it's going to be a challenge on all three, all three stages. I mean, if, if this is a game they want to get back right, you know, you got to do it on the road. But uh, against Cincinnati, I, I still think you can do it. Yeah, they're one point favorites for a reason. And as this week progresses, we'll see if Debo Samuel will indeed play. If that happens, I really do think that the balance will be tipped in the 49ers favor. Uh, we haven't even mentioned the fact that Joe Burrow's dealing with a finger injury that swelled up his finger. He, he's probably going to play. That's what he's he said, but that could be a little bit of a factor. And remember, he has thrown picks this year. So if he's a little bit inaccurate, a little more inaccurate than usual, maybe the 49ers can have a couple game-changing takeaways. But and we remember, shall see. Um, Russell yeah. Wilson had a finger too. So. He did, and uh, you could tell it. You could tell at points of that game. But let's make sure that we kind of put that to rest. Russell Wilson struggled mightily for large portions of that game. He made two really, really, really nice throws. The touchdown, the to locket was one of them, and he also made a, a beautiful one on the uh, the the fake right where they they ran the trick play that, that didn't work out. But remember that he he was wildly inaccurate on a few short throws in that game, which I think the inconsistency came from the finger. And the 49ers, they forced at one point a second down and 43. Um, but Jimmy Garoppolo would be just getting killed if, if he gave up that kind of sack fumble, right? Uh, but, but Wilson was just – I'm not blaming it on Wilson. I think quarterbacks get unfairly blamed for a lot of this stuff all the time. The line for Seattle was terrible. 49ers overwhelmed him. He, you know, doesn't know what to do. Fumbles the football. The the tackle falls on it literally 40 yards behind the line of scrimmage. And the 49ers defense ended up getting stopped. I think Seattle missed a field goal on that drive. But um, the point is that there was a lot of negative plays for Seattle in that game uh, that the 49ers defense helped create, obviously. And I think those same you know, advantages are potentially there in this game with Joe Burrow. He obviously has the finger injury, but more importantly, Cincinnati's offensive line has also struggled just like Seattle. So to me, the key is, can the 49ers generate those same negative plays and actually not waste them this time, right? Because I really feel that they wasted them last week, but we'll see. No predictions, I guess, Dennis, right? We're not supposed to do predictions. Yeah, no, let's not do predictions. See how it works out. <laughs> All right. No, no, no <laughs> prediction this time. We'll uh, talk to everybody after the game on Sunday. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. 
See you next time on Here's the Catch. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.